God, we thank you for this opportunity to be in Bible study tonight. I thank you for what you've done during the last couple of weeks, and I pray that you would help me with wisdom and clarity to speak under the anointing of the Holy Ghost from the scriptural truths that we have to discuss this very important topic. Touch our minds, our hearts, our ears to receive. We ask it in Jesus' name. And let everyone say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and look at them and tell them something that's a little bit uncomfortable. Tell them hell is real. <clears throat> and I don't mean to be a shock jock, and so I brace you for what I am about to say and knowing that I'm talking to adults. If we have children in here, they probably shouldn't be. This is an adult Bible study. But we live in a world that consistently tells people, go to hell without realizing the ramifications of what they're saying. If you really knew what hell was, you would not wish it upon your worst enemy. And we know that's the desire of the Lord, that none would be lost, that none would perish. John Thomas was quoted saying, hell no longer gets the float in the church parade. It has become a museum piece at best, stored in the shadows of a far corner. How many grew up hearing a lot about heaven and a lot about hell? Please raise your hand. Now, how many with me would be honest that somewhere over time, we stopped preaching as much? about the reality of heaven and the reality of hell. Now, we sing about heaven every now and then, but hell doesn't make a grand appearance nearly as much as it should. My childhood pastor, and I've made mention of this illustration, but it is the, it is the easiest and most grand that I've heard on all of the illustrations of hell. Robert Goins was my childhood pastor, and I still can remember him saying, in that old gravelly southern voice, he would kind of look off into nowhere. You know, sometimes preachers do that. We look into nowhere. We're not looking at the balcony because there's not even. But he would say, if you would consider a metal sphere the size of the earth, and that metal sphere was completely solid. He said, in every thousand years, an eagle would fly by and graze his wing on that metal sphere. When that metal sphere was completely dissolved, it would be as the beginning of eternity. Many of you have heard that same statement, and I'm not sure where he heard it, and I've shared that with you before, from his heartbeat to mine. And I have had to accept since my childhood and everyone in this room should accept eternity is real. Eternity is real. Someone prayed, God, let us make eternity. You don't have to pray for that. You're going to make it. It just depends on where you're going to spend it. Where will we spend eternity? C.S. Lewis said, I have met no people who fully disbelieved in hell and also had a living and life-giving belief 
in heaven. A beautiful lesson that we heard so texturally rich last week from Brother Kilman. In fact, we were even sharing some text threads leading up to uh, this week and before last week, kind of the, um, the approach. We just enjoy this topic and the dynamic here. But this is one of those statements that we must remember. If we're going to have a high view of Scripture and believe in the eternal heaven, and, then we have to address that there is also eternal damnation. In Matthew 25, if you would turn your attention there for our opening text tonight, and if you're one of those people who likes to take all the scriptures down, they'll put those in the app for you. And I like to hear those pages rustle too. It's hard to hear those digital pages rustle. <laughs> in Matthew 25, we're reading the story of the nations coming to the Lord on his throne. There's this dividing of the sheep. From the goats in Matthew 25, 34, then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. But unto the unrighteous, what is said here, we look and we, we move forward and we, we say in verse 41, the Lord's words, then shall he say unto them on the left, depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, notice, prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, most of us that have been in church, we've heard that preached and we've heard that throw away, uh, thrown out there or just used as a statement. But we need to think about the construction of hell, this eternal damnation created for the devil and his angels. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't belong there. We don't belong there. We, were, we are not created to go there. We, we have been created, Brother Ross, for one reason, to worship God, to be in communion with Him, and then make our eternity to be assured in heaven. But we have to recognize that there is a danger in letting it become commonplace. I want to tell you something right now, and I'm going to tell myself, and you can listen. It's not God's job to constantly serve me, make me feel good. He's done so much for me. I cannot tell it all. It is my job to come whether I come into this house or whether I'm standing in my, my mailing address, my home there, wherever I am, it is my job to say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Well, that's funny. Well, we're in this world, but not. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Why should we worship him? The very reason that Satan was cast from heaven, the Bible says, fell like lightning. The very reason is because worship was usurped. It was that desire to usurp and get out of position. I don't ever want to lose what I know my position to be. I am not superior to anyone else. Most assuredly, I am not superior in the thought that I deserve praise. 
Come on, if there's anything that needs to happen from every believer on a daily basis, it's that we ought to put our foot on the floor and say, blessed be the name of the Lord, which was and which is and which is to come. His name be exalted that we would lift him up. We, we should not base our religion and certainly our relationship on what is convenient. We must base it on what does the word of God say. Eugene H. Peterson said the great danger is that we as a people timidly retreat to the kind of religion we can manage. Think about that. Chew on that for just a second. How many know that that's exactly what's happening in pulpits across our nation? Sister Barkas, somewhere along the way, this teaching of the Bible, it became somewhat relative to what was needed for the moment. That's why so many churches out there, quote, unquote, I'm going to say that. I don't even know that a bunch of them are churches. I think they can qualify biblically as churches that will just pander to all types of things and say all types of things are okay. That is, that is white noise religion trying to draw a crowd. If we are going to be appropriate, we cannot uh, be timidly retreat, as Peterson says, into a kind of religion that we can manage, that we can manipulate, that we can force, that we can... Uh, I talked with one of the elders about this recently. I don't, I, don't, I, don't want, I don't want a God that I can produce. Come on, somebody, on a Wednesday night. I, I, don't, I don't want the kind of God that I can say, okay, we got our songs out of the way, do your thing. And I, I know it's a midweek, but, but, but when we get up and we start singing about heaven, oh, the joy. It ought to flood my soul. I, it, it ought to do something to me to, to think about it. We're, we, we, we've got, we, listen, I, I know that some of us laugh about the way even those lyrics were written. And Brother Cunningham did a good job singing about, won't we have a time when we get over yonder? Some of the young generation don't know nothing about yonder. Okay? That was written in a specific cultural environment. But let me say this. We know what the song's saying. We know what it means. But I don't think I'd write it that way. I don't think I would write, won't we have a time when we get over yonder? I don't think I would do that. But I know what the song means. And so standing down here and they begin to sing and I started thinking about that all over again. We're gonna sing and shout. There is, like Brother Kilman said, there's a new Jerusalem. And I've been studying this week again about the reality of hell. So I want to sing along with that. I, I want to go over yonder. I, I want to get to that place where the lamb is the light thereof. I'm not interested in the alternative. Come on, how many know you want to miss hell? You don't want to be lost. You, you don't want your religion to be manageable like God is our bellhop. You move when we say move. You take our sin when we say. You take my pain when, and as long as you make me feel good, I'll worship you. That's not how this worship works in our relationship. We worship him because of who he is and what he's done. We walk in and he's just a good God and worthy of praise. He's just worthy of praise. He's just worthy of praise. So we worship him. 
I've, I've shared, it's, it's one of my favorite stories about childhood. I've shared it, forgive me, I, I wanna share this again in case you haven't heard it. And even if you had, you can laugh at me. I, I was just a young boy, I was with my sister. We went into my parents' room. This is when I was just a small, small guy. My sister and I, we went in. My parents had just got new carpet, powder blue carpet. That's a bad decision. <laughs> it was time appropriate, they say. We went in, they had this big dresser. And I don't know, I don't know. I'm assuming it was for the candles because I, I grew up in a, in, in a home where no one smoked, but there was a lighter on the dresser. And there was a brand new newspaper. What? <laughs> don't get ahead of me. I'm just kidding. It felt like the right idea when my sister said, Hold this paper. Eve. <laughs> Some ladies were laughing until I said Eve. They went. And I, I was hold. I can still, just the young boy, hold the paper. And I could see her. You ever tried to get a lighter going and it won't go? Shh, shh, until finally, shh, there's that flame. And I was holding it. And I remember standing in that bedroom watching her. Guys, I'm just innocent. I know what she's doing. I didn't say no. I didn't. And she lit that paper. And when she first lit it, I thought, this is awesome. Until I realized how quick, how rapidly that flame got larger and larger. And I'm standing on the powder blue carpet. And I don't know where she went. But I did what anybody in my situation would do. I just dropped it. I didn't score real high as a kid on all my ran out of the room and we were screaming I was yelling and my mom came running we screamed fire right my mom ran in she had the wherewithal to put the fire out and ended up being like a seven foot yeah it was, it was right after this, while I was hiding behind the couch, that I heard my full name spoken. How many can go back down memory lane, you remember your full name being spoken? You knew they were taking a belt off with one hand. <laughs> Joshua Brandon Carson. And then she said those dreaded words, wait till your dad gets home. I feel that right now. I was like, no, whip me, whip me now. I get the belt, which one you want? <laughs> Brand new carpet. We loved that, 
silly blue carpet. They had just got it. We loved it. We'd go in there, walk on it with just our socks. Socks on new carpet feels amazing. You say, why did you do that? Had you never been taught about fire? I had. I had just never felt its flame on my skin. And so to me, it was something that was talked about but not experienced, so it was casual. My greatest fear as a pastor is that we would become casual about the ramifications of eternity. I wish it wasn't a real fire, but I'm afraid to tell you it is. I wish it wasn't real torment, but I'm afraid to tell you it is. And we're going to talk about it here tonight. God, I feel a little something weighty all of a sudden in the room. If you've been on the fence, if you've been on the fence in your relationship with God, I wish you'd hear my words, but feel my heart right now. You've got to be saved. Above all else, above my job, above my finances, above my natural desire, above my worldly ambition, above all else, we must be saved. It's a real thing. It's a real torment. It's Revelation, the 14th chapter, that says the smoke of their torment goes up Forever and ever that they have no rest day and night. Now let's talk about this. There are major viewpoints of hell in harmony even with what they teach at the college. I wanted to make sure my notes were lining up with what they'll even hear in some of the sis too. You take just a little bit of time on this. I, one is the annihilation of the wicked. That people in hell are eventually destroyed and will not dwell there for eternity. I will tell you that that is a very popular statement. It's just not biblically accurate. Can I tell you as a pastor, I wish it was true. How could you say that? Don't you believe in truth? Oh, I believe in truth. But I wish it wasn't so that people would be in torment forever. But it's not people that God rejected. It's people that rejected God. Come on now. When somebody says, well, I can't believe a real God would send anyone to hell. God sent him. He sent him. He sent her. He sent them. The very answer. You've got to turn away from the love of God to experience hell. The annihilation of the wicked. There is an immediate scriptural rebuttal. Turning your attention to Mark 9, before you go there, I'll read it from the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 66, 24. For the worm shall not die, neither shall their fire be quenched. For the worm shall not die, neither shall their fire be quenched. And some theologians want to reason this away, that it is not eternal and it is not long-lasting. How many remember even in the calling of Moses that Moses' attention was turned because there was a bush that was on fire but not consumed? It is within his power. Mark chapter 9, 43 through 48. 
And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It's better for thee to enter into life maimed and having, than having two hands and go into hell, into that fire that shall not be quenched, where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. This is drawing from the prophet Isaiah, verse 45. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It's better for thee to enter halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell, where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And, and I know that this is old-fashioned, preaching and old-fashioned teaching, but I got to take a Wednesday in October of 2022 and remind us it'd be better to pluck out our eye and it would be better for us to cut off our hand. It'd be better. Somebody said, well, that's a really drastic statement. What was he telling you? He's saying nothing is worth your soul. What about the hand? What does that do? There should be nothing in this temporal world that would allow our greed or our ambition to reach for. Lay not up for yourself treasures here on earth where moth and rust. We know this. Thieves do break in and steal. But rather lay up for yourself. And so we look to last week and we say, I want to be looking towards that eternal new Jerusalem that, that, that will be created. But at the same time, I understand that my acceptance of that has to be my denial of this place. What about my eye? Ladies and gentlemen, we, we deal with a visual addiction every day. Satan is crafty. He'll take your eyes and take your soul with him. Pastor, this is awfully strong. Well, I'm reaching for somebody's soul tonight. You can't mess around in pornography and then not grab your soul. We can't do it. Can't let your feet carry you into places that are a, 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 a repute place somewhere that is, it'd be better. He said, it'd be better for you not to be able to get there. And I don't think that we have to live that way. I think the power of the Holy Ghost gives us the ability to live above sin. Come on, how many believe we can live above sin? We can live above reproach. We don't have to get in. We don't have to give in to temptation. Oh, I want a stronger witness in the house to move on right now. We can live above temptation. She can flirt with you at the office and you can say, I don't do that. Come on, he can try to get your attention and you can say, I'm a married woman and I don't do that. Able to put filters on our computers, blockers, restrictions. Love, I, I love being able to get a report of everything my kids look at. Oh, that's so authoritarian. I'm guarding souls. I'm guarding. We're guarding their souls. If you're watching online right now, you're watching. It is the very reality that that device can be used for good, not evil. 
I think we live in the, this is the smartest generation. Some of you young adults, this is the smartest generation I think that's ever walked the face of the earth and we have more at our disposal than ever before. I think we ought to take the, 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 the tools that we have and get this gospel into every neighborhood and every square inch. But listen, in order to do this, I need to say that in order to do this, we've got to get beyond having to pray back through every week. We got to get up every day and say, God, if there's anything in me, forgive me. I don't want anything wrong, but I got to move forward in the things of God today. Come on, we could, we cannot live like our eternal destination is hell. We have to evaluate on a daily basis which kingdom we're feeding. How many know the text says that hell hath enlarged herself? She is feasting and feeding. But we as believers have no place there. And since we have no place there, we have no business entertaining her agenda here. Amen. So we believe that it will be forever. We don't believe in that annihilation. We believe that it will be forever. There's another major viewpoint called purgatory. How many's ever heard of purgatory? <laughs> I want you to give to their GoFundMe. <laughs> Sorry, that's not in my notes. That just came out of there. Just... Roman Catholic and Eastern Orthodox theology teaches the saints with unrepentant sin. Go to that in-between, maybe that, that miniature hell state to pay for their sins before they can go into heaven. Even some attribute this to Dante's Inferno. Others believe the idea of the place between heaven and hell as well as the practice of praying for the dead. It actually dates back to some of the earliest days of the church. And that's where we need to be wise that we understand what scripture is canon. People want to reach back to the early church and, and try to put some theology tied to non-canonical non texts that we're able to say, wait a minute, did it make it in the book? I feel a little support in that right there. Don't, don't be reaching back to the early church and telling me that the early church fathers said it if you can't find it in this book right here. This holy writ which was established to get us. Come on, this was established to get us from here to there. And they want to say, well, the early church fathers. You show it. If you can't prove it to me in this book, you can't prove it to me. Come on, this is God's word to God's people in this great hour. And I'm sorry, but I can't fund your account while you're in the in-between. No one else can either, and I'm not trying to be harsh or abrasive, but we have Scripture that there was an immediate. Go in your Bible to Luke 16, if you will. Sorry, I know this is heavy on a Wednesday night, but I think we need to hear about it. Especially coming up on this season of Halloween. This embracing of darkness. Halloween is not blanketly bad. I do want you to know that. Need to study it and understand it. It's not blanketly bad, but anything that can have some good can have some bad. Any, have you ever found that anytime people get involved? 
and especially people that are susceptible to the enemy. So we got to be guarded in what we entertain. I don't, might not like, I don't think we ought to be putting up ghouls and goblins and witches and mess. I don't, I don't think we ought to be supporting that. I don't, I don't, I don't think Holy Ghost believers, I don't think you should do that. I don't think there's any Holy Ghost believers should say, well, she dressed up as, well, okay, let's go. <laughs> I'm struggling. I want to chase a rabbit right now. Luke 16, verse 22. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes being in torments. This is part of the torment of hell. Lifted up his eyes, seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may, he may dip the tip of his finger in water. Let him cool my tongue. I am tormented in this way. But Abraham said, son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he's comforted and thou art tormented. He took a moment there and said, you thought it was all about the earth. You thought it was about the comforts of the world. And beside all this between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would ascend him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Now I'm reading it calmly, but I think if it was you or if it was I, or we could actually hear the tone of the text in that moment, I hear pleading. Send them to my fathers. I made the statement here at the start of this series, and I want to say it again. If we really really believed in the reality of hell, it would make us reach for more souls on a regular basis. Let no one be lost, especially while our church holds the answer. There is no purgatory. There is no in-between that you can get yourself purchased out of. You said, Pastor, what's the problem? Well, there's no Bible for it. It's a pretty big problem. Say, well, that's tough. I don't want to offend anybody. Listen, it's a greater offense to keep truth. We know that it was an immediate reality. There is a major viewpoint, this third one that I would tell you and that you would be taught and that most of us know here and you've all heard it and some have even been 
forced to, to grapple with it, so to speak. That hell is just metaphorical. The language is just metaphorical. It's not real. It's not really torment. It's just, it's metaphorical. And when we look at the Greek and when we look at the Hebrew and when we, when we read about Sheol and the, and the 31 times that it's mentioned there and we look at grave and we, 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 we try to take a look at I'm sorry, it's over and over proven. It's not metaphorical. Again, I wish I could tell you it was. I will tell you this, I think that the separation from the presence of God will be enough because none of us yet know, none of us know what it really feels like to be separated from the presence. We don't know. We've had bad days, but we've never been in a place where he was not there. We, we, we've had rough seasons. We've had dark experiences, but we don't know. But there is a place there is a place. He's going to say unto them, depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting father. Matthew 25 and 41, if you want to take that down. That everlasting father that is prepared there that we read in our opening in the separation of the sheep and the goats. That, that separation, that's a real place. And it's a real place, yes, minus the presence of God. But it's also a place that holds some pretty terrible things and that's what's what maybe moves me to the fourth and the most important point here everyone repeat after me hell is a physical place everyone repeat after me hell is eternal the descriptions of hell are not literal and physical by some fictional language of separation but according to Luke chapter 3 and 17, it says whose fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly purge his floor and will gather the wheat into the garner, but the chaff he will burn with fire unquenchable. Matthew chapter 8 verse 12 says the kingdom, the children of the kingdom shall be cast into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Who, who ever heard that growing up? Weeping and gnashing of teeth. How many ever got scared of gnashing of teeth when you didn't even know what gnashing of teeth was? <laughs> I cried about gnashing of teeth. I just didn't know what it meant. Just grind your teeth out. Scary. You know why I was scared of it? Because the preacher was preaching it. Because we were hearing about it. And now we got TV shows making it a joke. And we got friends at work saying, what a party we're going to have in hell. What a lie from the enemy that has crept in among us. Or even better yet, well, everybody's going to heaven anyway. How many wish that was true? Come on, if you got love and grace, you wish it was true. You wish everybody was. But there will be wailing and weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's going to happen according to the text. Why do you think that's true? Because I got a high view of this scripture. Matthew 13. Shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing. There it is again. Gnashing teeth. God help us. Turn in your Bible over to Revelation, if you will. Revelation 20. Are you doing okay? Is this so? Are you doing okay? Revelation 20. 
I believe there's a great revival coming. Jesus. I believe there's a great revival coming. And I don't think it's going to come as a result of weak teaching and weak preaching and watered down. If we don't preach truth, I don't even think we get to call it revival. Revelation 20, verse 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire. Brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw that great white throne, him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. You remember that from last week? No place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. The books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Yes, your works matter. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. How many remember that he took the keys of death and hell? Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Pastor Carson, don't, don't preach that. John saw that. John the Rep, the same one that saw him sitting on the throne, the one that on a Sunday we get up and preach about the oneness of God and the goodness of the Lord and that spotless lamb being the light of that city and we get up and rejoice. That same revelation, he said, there is a lake. And hell's desire is that it holds your kids. Hell's desire is that it holds our backslidden young people. Hell's desire is that it breaks up our marriages and, and it takes us from this, 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 this small concept of a, a lack of reality and puts us in eternal torment. Where there will be weeping. There will be wailing. And he gives us this illustration, even in this, in this temporary, in this, in this temporary place, this, this situation where he says, Father Abraham. And John goes on and says, No, I want to tell you the finality of this. There's a lake of fire. So that these people who want to try to uh, procure this annihilation thing, they can know there will be no final consumption. Pastor, why are you so passionate about this? Because our world is lost. Our city is lost. Every young person in this room, if you think that living for God is a game, this could be your eternity. Above all else, I must be saved. Or above all else, I must be saved. Who remembers the next line? For whatever you have to do to me, no 
don't let me be lost. 